0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Chase McAndrew Podcast. I'm your amazing host, Chase McAndrew. Uh, I I couldn't be that egotistical, but I am amazing. (laughs) Anyway, I'm your host, Chase McAndrew, and today we are talking about the 1987 Bond film, The Living Daylights, which is the 15th movie in the franchise and the first of two to star Timothy Dalton. It's directed by John Glenn, produced by Cubby Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, written by by Richard Maybaum and Michael G. Wilson, and halfway based on The Living Daylight's book, or short story, I should say, by Ian Fleming, obviously, because he's Ian Fleming. Um, as, as I said beforehand, it stars Timothy Dalton as Bond in his first outing as the character Miriam Diabo as as Kara, she's the main blonde girl of this of this movie. Uh Jeron Crabbe or Crab as Koskov. Uh we have Joe Darn Joe Darn, no, Joe Don Baker as Brad Whitaker, an American Arms Dealer. And then we have John Reed Davies as General Pushkin, the new head of the KGB We have um Andreas I'm gonna destroy this guy's name Andreas and and I did practice this beforehand Wiz Wiz Newski Wiz Andreas Wiznewski is how I'll say it as, as Nekras who is one of Kozgov's Kozgav's henchmen and Art Malik as Cameron Shah the leader of the Afghan Mujahideen military group. This, well, let me start off by saying this. Gone are the days of the kid-friendly and humorous era of the Roger Moore films, and in swoops in the more real and the more darker, more violent version of Bond in the Timothy Dalton Era, and just a little backstory for you all. I had never seen these movies, these two Timothy Dalton movies, until I got the Bond Fifty film set back in 2012. Um, I was told for years you don't need to see them; they're not very good. They're they're just kind of bad and. They're just not good. So when I got the Bond Fifty Collection, I sort of was hesitant to watch them because when I got the collection, I went back and I and I and I, and I watched all the movies I hadn't seen in the franchise, which wasn't very many. I think it was only like six or seven of them, and these were two of the of the films that I had not seen, and. Pretty much immediately after the living daylights, I was like, really? That movie was awesome. That movie is really good. And then I watched the next one, Life of the Kill, and my mind was blown just how great that movie was. But we'll get to that one next time. This movie is really Really good. Borderline great. There's a few things that keep me from saying that this film is great. But really? This movie is better than all seven of the Roger Moore films. As much as I like three of them, this movie blows all three of them away. This movie is really, really borderline great, this movie is really, 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 really damn good, I, I just, I am shocked that I never saw these, these movies before 2012, I feel like such an idiot for that reason, well let's get into it though, shall we? Like I said, Gone is the more humorous and kid-friendly era of the Moore films, and and, in the first, and in in the pre-title sequence, it's already more violent than anything in the Roger Moore films. It's already more serious than anything in the Roger Moore films. Seriously, it's a training exercise with with the other with a couple of other double-O agents. And it's awesome. When there's, they're they're doing this training exercise, but an assassin is there, and he kills, I believe it's double-O-two and double-O-four, before Bond can get his, his hands on the guy. And I'll say this. It's just exquisite to see the actor playing Bond not on a green screen after seven movies of seeing that, having the camera mounted on top of a car and watching Timothy Dalton actually climb up to the front, up the roof of this car and actually watching him do a stunt because he does a lot of his own stunts in both of these movies. And it's just refreshing to watch him go down this tidy road on top of this small, uh, on top of this car while he's trying to get this assassin. It's great. It's awesome. Real stunts. The, the Bond actor putting his life in danger and actually watching him do the stunts with no with no background projection or green screen sure there is some at points throughout both of these films But hell actually watching a actor do his own stunts is it's 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 refreshing it's awesome it's great this opening sequence is 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 great. Just for that alone. So Bond and the bad and the assassin jump off or go off a cliff when they're when they're both fighting inside this car. Bond bond sets sets a, sets a bomb off and when they hit the and he jumps out of the the car and he's and he had the parachute on and he jumps out. The assassin's still in the car when it hits the water it blows up. I don't know it doesn't make any sense, but it's a m it's a movie. Bond lands on a boat with a with the woman just 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 sailing off in the middle of the ocean and talking about how boring it is on the on this island or where where wherever she's at and Bond calls MI6 headquarters. The woman asks Bond to join. Her for a drink, Bond obliges her. Goes into the title sequence, and it's a pretty good song. It's kind of like a *View to a Kill*. It's kind of a synth poppy song, but I like it a lot more cause it. And I like the pre. I and I like the title sequence a lot more because there's a, it actually looks like there's actual effort being put into it. If that makes sense. Really good. And then we have... The opening of the film. Oh, I didn't say, by the way... uh, The the title song is, is by the band AHA. Never heard of them before. I believe they're... I believe they're a Dutch band, I believe, is what I researched, I believe. But it's a good song. So... In the beginning of this of this movie, Bond is aiding another agent in helping him with the defection of a KGB general. We Bond is supposed to shoot the assassin that is going to kill the defecting general. Instead of killing him, Bond Bond looks at the 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 sniper, and it's that it's it's it, it, and she's the cellist of the orchestra that they are we're just watching and bond deduces that she is not a trained sniper at all and bond and the other agent saunders help this general escape bond shoots the barrel or, or or the side of the sniper rifle and the general is 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 the general makes his escape through a pipeline that the british have uh in uh germany and or in the or or in the uh soviet union union and um it's really, really a cool scene. Timothy Dalton does this thing in both of these movies that he's in where he puts little things from the book's character of Bond in the, like, I can't remember what what book it is, but Vaughn's going to kill someone, and he has a suit on and his jacket, and 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 this like overcoat jacket, and he and in the in and, and in the in in whichever book it is, he flips up the collar, and the collar has a strap, and he pulls the strap over, and he connects it to the to the to the other side of the the collar, so his whole outfit is black, so he's not seen as much. And that's what happens here in this movie there's a, there's a scene where he pulls the strap over or flips the collar up pulls the strap over does the exact same thing when he's about to to go, to go after the uh sniper and it's a very very cool and and clever way to do the bond it's different than we've seen before from connery Lazenby, and especially more. This is a more serious take. both these moves are more serious takes, not a lot of jokes, not a lot of humor. there's some funny one liners, but they're more of like huh ah, that's that's good reference or ha that's a funny. There's nothing laugh out loud funny about about these two movies especially Bites to Kill the next movie good lord so Bond helps uh, Kozakoff is the general's name defect Bond then seems to know that there's something up with the sniper So he goes back to the Soviet Union to go find her and he finds out that this girl is Kozgov's girlfriend and that this entire defection is actually a fake and a ploy to make the British think that Kozgov has been, uh, after he defects, he gets taken back by his own government, by an assassin that comes to get him. And it's to make the British think that he has been taken back from them. Or that that, that Kozlov has been taken um, away from his defection. He's been forced back into his home country. So Bond goes back to the Soviet Union and finds Kara. Like I said, he realizes that. That it's a fake he realizes it when he finds her sniper rifle and he goes until the and he goes to the bullet chamber and he finds a blank um a blank b a blank uh bullet it it there it's it, it's it's a it's a blank there's nothing in the cartridge which is very very clever. And then we find out that Cosgog is actually in loop with the assassin Necros who um who 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 stole him back if if you will in the in in the in in the UK he stole him back and put him on a helicopter and he goes back and everything. And then they're also and they are working with Uh, A man named Brad Whitaker, a black market arms dealer. Now, here's where one of my main problems for me with the movie starts with the villains. Kozgov is... How how do I say this? He's played as a cartoon really more than anything. He's played like he did a Roger Moore film. He's in the wrong movie here. He's always happy. He's, he's overly happy. He's always melodramatic when he's pretending. Like, at the end of the movie, we'll get to it, he's like, oh, General, I love you. And he gives the guy a hug, and it, it doesn't quite work. And then Brad Whitaker, the American Black Arms dealer, played by Joe Don Baker, he's not in the movie that much. So when he is... When he is in the movie, all he really does is mark orders at Koskov and Necros, and Necros is the typical blonde henchman, and who's a, he's he's a big buff blonde henchman, and he he doesn't have much character to him. So the weakest or one of the weakest parts of this movie for me is probably actually the weakest part of the movie for me is the bad guys. They're they're not great. They're 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 never going to be some of the best villains of the entire franchise. They're probably in the lower half of Bond villains. Yeah. So, when Bond goes to confront the new head of the KGB because Bond still kind of doesn't exactly know if Kosgoff at the, at at this point in time, Bond doesn't quite know that if Kosgoff is if his defection is real or fake. So he actually goes to um he, he he goes to uh Tangier and he confronts the new head of the KGB. It used to be General Gog- Gogol. Um now it is um uh, General Pushkin, and Pushkin denies knowing anything of Koskov's where Koskov's whereabouts and what he's doing. He said he he left the country two weeks ago, hasn't seen him since. And this was before the start of this movie, so that's when Bond realizes that oh okay, we have this this. Caused off guy is his his defection was fake. He's in line with Whitaker and Necros, and they are the actual bad guys. By by, by the way, uh, Pushkin is played by John Rhys Davies. Uh, who if you don't if you don't know who that is, he's he is mostly recognized as Sala in the Indiana Jones films and Gimli in the Lord of the Rings films. Uh, he's great in this movie. John rhys Davies is a legendary actor. He's great. I was very excited to see him in this in this movie. Not in the movie a lot, but still, he's great in the movie. And it's great that he's that he's the head of the KGB. I love that. <coughs> I love it. And and then. Bond and Pushkin fake Pushkin's assassination attempt so that Necros, um, uh Whitaker, and Koskov can believe that Pushkin's dead so they can go ahead with their deal, which is that, um, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, my throat is freaking out right now, um, When they kill, when when Bond fakes Pushkin's assassination, they Kozgov wants to use opium from the Mahajideen, so he can sell it and have profits from left leftovers. So he can buy weapons from Whitaker. So he so he can try and overthrow the KGB and the Soviets and all that. It's a good plan, but again the the villains aren't exactly the strong point of the movie. So yeah. So Bond is caught by Kozgoff and Necros and he just escorted um to Afghanistan because Kara calls Kozgov and Kozgov tells Kara that Bond is actually a KGB agent pretending to be his friend and he's also pretending pretending to be an MI6 agent. So Kara drugs Bond. They're they're off to Afghanistan and they're supposed to, and they're going to be in prison there so the MI6 cannot come. And release and get Bond um, released. Bond uses the gadget he got. He gets from Q, and it's basically like toxic gas gets out of the prison. He frees a man who happens to be the head of them, the Mahashadim, and. The Mahajdin and Bond and Kara join forces and they fight the Soviets in Afghanistan on this air base. Bond plants a bomb inside an opium truck. As he's leaving this plane, he, he, he's caught by Kazgov. He goes uh, to barricade himself into the plane and... There is this giant battle, this giant battle between Kozgalm's men and the Soviets and the Mujahideen. Car gets onto the plane via a jeep. Uh, Necros gets onto the plane and then Bond fights with him. I wish the fight would have been a little bit better, a bit faster paced. And I wish the music would have also been better because Nephros is a big guy; he should really have overpowered Bond. And the music and just the—it's not that—it's not that tensionful of a fight. There's kind of like times where they're just kind of like I like I get I get that they're holding on to this rope pouch of opium, but they still could have had an intense fight. It just feels like at a few points it's not as intense and tension filled as it could have been but still it's a good enough fight of course Bond wins and Kazdorf is thrown to his death Uh, off the plane Bond gets back onto the plane defuses the bomb then sees uh, Soviet forces he reactivates the bomb, throws the bomb down from the plane, blows blows everything up, and they win. Then Bond goes back to get caused off at Whitaker's place. And the fight between Whitaker or I say the shootout between Bond and Bond and Whitaker wi- wi- Whitaker has this like plastic head armor that's attached to the gun that he's using and why Bond fires on the bulletproof plastic case around his head a couple times, that doesn't make much sense. And again Whitaker's not that menacing of a presence in this film anyway, so It's an okay gun battle. It's okay. And then and then Pushkin Pushkin comes in and they find uh, Kostkov. Pushkin takes him back to Russia. Tells them to to put to basically put him in a diplomatic bag, which means to kill him uh, uh before he's taken back to the Soviet union, and the movie pretty much ends it kind of ends on a whimper with that end fight or that end gun bat, gun battle but overall this truly 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 is one of the best of the franchise this this is a great adventure pretty good action throughout. Timothy Dalton is spectacular in this movie. He really brings the book Bond to life, the intensity. The quips are good, but they're not overly funny. They're not overly humorous like they were in the uh, Roger Moore era. This is a more serious Bond film. A darker Bond film that is really damn good, borderline great. There's a few things with the ending gunfight and the bad guys overall that kind of leave this one. Not so, not, it's borderline great, it's but it's really damn good. I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it an A- to really if you haven't seen the Dalton era, highly recommend it. Very good starting movie. First movie for the Timothy Dalton era. I highly highly recommend it. Like I said, my grade is an A- for the Living Daylights, the top 10 Bond film in my opinion. And that's it, guys. That's it for the living daylights. I'm in a much better mood. I was getting kind of tired of the Roger Moore era, the shtick of it. But overall, this movie is refreshing to watch after seven movies of Roger Moore kid-fest almost. So that's it. I'll see you guys on... A license to kill podcast I